All right, Genesis chapter 1. Shouldn't be too hard to find in your Bibles tonight. Uh, We're looking at a message entitled simply, Day 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. For junior hires that weren't here last week, and for high schoolers, this is going to be a little bit new to you, but we started a series last week in the junior high uh, on the book of Genesis, not all 50 chapters, but focusing in on Genesis 1 through 11. You know, Genesis uh, in Hebrew means beginning. That's where they get, right? They draw the name from the first three words in the book in verse 1. This is our book of origins. It is the book of firsts. And I truly believe that these first 11 chapters of Genesis are probably the most foundational chapters in the Bible because it is on top of these 11 chapters that everything else comes. Everything is built upon these 11. Uh, We find out in these 11 chapters the origin of the universe, the origin of order and complexity, the origin of the solar system, the origin of the atmosphere and hydrosphere, the origin of life, the origin of man, the origin of marriage, of evil, of language, of government, of culture. This is the foundation to everything that you and I know to this day. And this is why we got to get it right. You know, there has been... There's always been an attack on the Bible, but as of late, it seems that there has been an attack that has been accelerated specifically on these 11 chapters, not only by non-believers, of course, but by believers themselves. There's many Bible commentators and believers and Christians that want to begin to say that the 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are simply poetical in nature. They're just Hebrew poetry. Oh, that's not actually how it happened. Uh, But you and I, who hopefully have a reverence for the word of God, trust that not only from Genesis chapter 12 on, but even starting in Genesis chapter 1, that we are to read it as true. We are to read it as the inerrant word of God. Now, what's very unique about these chapters, and I mentioned this last week to those uh, that were there, is that from Genesis chapter 1 to verse 11 spans 2,000 years of history. Now, we believe that is the beginning of history. The first 2,000 years are recorded in those 11 chapters. Then starting from Genesis chapter 12, going all the way to the beginning of the New Testament, is another 2,000 years of history. Then from the book of Matthew, the time that Jesus comes till now, we all know that one is approximately another 2,000 years old. This is where we come to the conclusion that the earth is around 6,000 years old, no more than 10,000 years old. Now you will not hear that in most places. That is a teaching that has been laughed at, scoffed at, and even in many Bible so-called believing churches will teach uh, things contrary to that. And so that's why it's important that we have this foundation because listen, the things that we learn even today will be attacked in your life whether you believe them uh, or not. And so last week, uh, I know many of you were not with us, but many of you were. 
we studied essentially the first verse of the Bible. Uh, notice that today we're in two through five. That's because last week we were just in verse one. Do you guys remember how we talked about that in the beginning, God created time, space, and matter? And that's what you find there in verse one. In the beginning, time. God created the heavens, that's space, and the earth, that's matter. And we have there the existence of everything as we know it on this continuum of time, space, and matter. And it was almost last week, it was almost like a science class uh, because the Bible lines up with science because God is the creator of it. Amen? It's awesome. Um, And so today, uh, we're just going to keep going. Uh, And we believe that verse one is the beginning of day one. Now today, we'll go to verse five, which will conclude day one. But this is a, I know it seems minimal, but that phrase that I just gave you, the fact that I believe verse one through five in Genesis chapter one is day one is wildly debated. People, many people believe what we're gonna study today, that there's a gap of time People believe that the days of creation cannot be taken as literal, but figurative. And and that's what explains uh, scientists' theories, not science, but scientists' theories that there has been millions and billions of years that have transpired in, in our universe's existence and history. However, what the Bible actually says is that this is all encapsulated day one. Okay, so verse one, day one, that's the beginning. And we'll get to verse five today, which will be the end of day one. And so uh, we're gonna read Genesis chapter two, reading down to verse five, okay? You guys have your Bibles open? All right, word, love it, Joe. All right, look at verse two. Well, let's just read verse one, two, right now, right? Just throw it in there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so the evening and the morning We're the first day. Let's pray together. Father, we believe that this is your word. It is without error. And Lord, it's not intended to be mysterious. That you have given us your word, not to confuse us, but to bring clarity. And so God, we ask that you would give us that divine revelation tonight. That we would simply see what you said and be able to understand what it means. We know that we can only do that, but by this Holy Spirit of God in us. And so, God, we look to you for that, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, if you are taking notes tonight, uh, the first thing that we're going to look at is we're going to focus in on verse 2. We're going to focus in on verse 2. I think I messed it up. Uh, Noah, can you help me out? Verse 2, you can note down point number one is that is this. It's created, but not complete. Uh, You might have to go two slides over. Let's see if my clicker will work tonight. Nope, not wanting to work. All right, you're going to have to help me out. Is it going? It's a little slow? Hmm. 
All right, well, you guys can take notes. Created, but not complete. All right, verse two, created, but not complete. This is what we find in verse two. And it's the reality that God's creation is a process. It wasn't done in a moment's time. He created time, space, and matter in a moment, in an instant. But the development of creation happened over a period of how many days? Six days. And so what we find in verse two is simply part of that process. Now, God could have made the first chapter of Genesis simply verse one and moved on, right? Couldn't he just have put uh, verse one? There we go. All right. They're figuring out back there. There you go. Created, but not complete. So verse one could have been the whole chapter and the whole detail of creation. Then move on to chapter two. But God didn't do it that way. God chose to do this in process. God chose to make creation a process over six 24-hour day periods, including then, of course, his rest day. Now we could speculate, well, why did he do that? Is, let me ask you this, is God powerful enough just to create everything as it should have been in one day? What about in one hour? What about in one minute? What about in one second? The answer is, of course, yes. But God chose, and we could speculate why, and I would love to do that sometime. We can sit down for a cup of coffee and uh, talk about that. Uh, you can drink tea if you don't like coffee, but listen, one of the possible reasons that I think that God did this was to establish what you and I know as our week, right? The seven-day period of time in which we are to work six days and rest one. You know it's God who came up with that, right? We find in uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, this. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So later on in Exodus, when he gives the law of the Sabbath, Moses references back, really it's God who references back to creation. He says, hey, you know why I'm gonna establish this this way? It's because of how I did creation. God bless you. He, he, He worked six days and he rested seven. Now, what I think is fascinating about this is that there's no reason that we should have seven days in our week. Did you know that? It's completely arbitrary. Meaning, for our day, do you know why a day is approximately 24 hours? It's because that's how long it takes the earth to rotate around its axis. It's based on something else. Do you know why the month is, is the way it is? It's based on the lunar calendar. It's based on the moon. That's how we get our months. Do you know why a year is, is, is the, the year that we have it as? It's because that's how long it takes the earth, right, to rotate around the what? The sun. So we have these elements of time, but the week has nothing to do with any of that. It's only established because God said it to be so. I don't know if that's just God's flex in that way of like, hey, you know, I, I said that this is, this is my establishment. There's no other reason. You can't point to another reason why we have a seven-day week other than because God established that from the very beginning. That's pretty cool. Now, let's get back to verse 2. We find creation, but it's not yet completed. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 for my whole life has been very confusing to me. 
It's like God creates everything, heavens and earth, and then all of a sudden it's without form, it's void, it's dark, and uh, the Spirit of God is like hovering over. It's a very weird scene in verse 2. You guys, would you guys agree? If you don't have a Bible, you can look on the screen. It's like, what, what's going on? What's happening there? You can go, I don't know, let's see if this thing's working yet. No, it's not. Created but not complete. You can go back to verse 2 and put it on the screen. So I kind of think about it in this way, Okay. It's kind of like clay that a potter would take and he would put that, he, he would make that clay, he would cultivate it, right? He's got to get it from somewhere and then put that on his wheel. Now, he has not yet made that into a pot yet, but he has the foundation. Let me give you another illustration. It's kind of like if someone was going to build a house first they have to cut all the two by fours. They got to get all the materials ready and then they begin to construct it. What we have in verse one is that God creates the materials, if you will. He creates the space. He creates the time. And then for the rest of the six days, he begins to put the pieces together. Have you guys ever helped your mom uh, meal prep before? All right, you, you, you get in the kitchen and, and you're not cooking nothing yet, but you are prepping you get the carrots out, you get the celery, whatever you're making, and you cut it all up, you make it all good. You are prepping for the meal. Nothing's been cooked yet, nothing's been created, but you have the materials necessary. That's kind of what we find in these first couple of verses. The earth was without form and void. Now, I want to point your attention to, to verse 1. Look in your Bibles, look at verse 1. It ends with the earth. And then verse two begins with the earth, meaning that there's a continuation of the same subject. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that verse two follows verse one? Because it is here that many of those people that I told you about like to come up with fanciful stories and insert it into scripture. This is where, raise your hand if you've ever heard of the gap theory. Raise your hand. Okay, some of you. So the gap theory is, is, there's a lot of varieties of the gap theory, but it's essentially that many people believe that in between verse one and two, there is a large amount of time that elapsed. Now, some of those versions can include that the days of creation lasted millions of years. It's simply not what the Bible says. They are wrongful interpretations. They are solutions to satisfy those who don't believe in God, but they don't ever get satisfied. You see, the concept of the gap theory or the, the concept that there was millions or billions of years that passed between verse one and two is a rather new idea. It's only been around for the last couple hundred years or so. The, the interpretation of the book of Genesis has always been that day one is verses one through five. And that was an actual day. How many hours are, hours are in a day? 24, exactly. And so now you might say, well, I, I've always believed that. Like, that's not something. Listen, you will get attacked in this area. You will be challenged. Maybe you won't be attacked, but you'll be challenged of, hey, well, how does, how does this fit into that? Listen, your job and my job is not to make what scientists theorize fit into the Bible. That's not, that's not our job. God can hold it up for himself, and time and time again, science does go, go along uh, side science and doesn't contradict it. Listen, the simple way to stay safe here is just read the Bible 
for what it says. If you read the Bible and you can't come up to a conclusion, then it is something that is taught to you. It's not something that God reveals to you. You should be able to go on an island, read the Bible, and understand what it says without anyone else explaining. Now, we're very thankful that God has given us teachers and God's given us uh, men and women who have studied the Bible, who's able to bring uh, helpful insights and understanding. But now with that said, at the same time, verse two is a little confusing, at least for me. Maybe you're like, oh, I totally get everything in that verse. I don't. What, what does that mean? Earth was without form, void, darkness was on the face. What is the face of the deep? And why is the spirit of God, why is it just hovering over the waters? Is it just, what, what is going on here? Well, let me hopefully bring some clarity to verse two, okay? So I want you to note down that the earth, what God just created is described here in two ways. It's described that it is without form, number one, and number two, that it's void. The idea that it's without form don't overcomplicate what that's saying. It just means that there's no specific shape to the earth at this point. There will be. God will continue in that process of creation and mold and form the earth into what shape? Yeah, a spherical planet. At this point, now some think that it, God at least had it in a sphere, and that's possible, but, but there's, there's no definite shape to it is what I believe it's saying. It's, it's unformed. It's not yet shaped in what it will be. And then number two, void doesn't have to do with the shape. It has to do with what is on the planet. Nothing. It's void. You guys know what void means? It means empty, right? Basically, if you, know, if you, if you have a... Uh, that's a silly illustration. It just means empty, okay? That's all you need to know. Void means empty. It's the idea that it's not yet been filled with God's further creation. What kind of things is God going to fill the earth with? Yeah. People. What else? Yep. Sea creatures. Yes, sir. Yep. Huh? Land. He's going to fill it up with land. You better believe it. Yep. Animals. All kinds of stuff, right? He's going to fill it up. At this point, it ain't filled. It is void. So it's unformed and uninhabited. That's what it means to be without form and void. Now, additional to this, we are told that there is darkness on the face of the deep. Now, this is often where people get tripped up because darkness in most places in scripture is a bad thing, right? It represents evil. It represents sin, However, darkness here simply means the light wasn't on yet. It's unilluminated. We find a couple examples of this in Psalm 18, verse 11, and Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. Psalm 18, verse 11 says, He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. This is God speaking, and he says darkness is his secret place. Now, is there any darkness in God at all in regards to sin and evil? No. And so here's an example of the Bible using darkness in a positive light. We find that again in Isaiah 45, verse 7, when he says, I form the light and create darkness. It's not talking about evil. God, God does not tempt nor is tempted by evil, the Bible says. And so the idea here is not darkness in regards to evil. It just means God hadn't, verse three hadn't happened yet, right? There's an order. There's a complexity to this. 
There's a, there's a timeline, and there, he didn't turn the light on yet, okay? Does that make sense? So that, that's what it means. Now, the face of the deep, uh, or the, when it says the face of the waters, you see how it says that the Holy Spirit in verse 2 was hovering over the, the face of the waters, we believe that those things are talking about the same thing. They're synonymous terms. They're, they're interchangeable. The face of the deep and waters, uh, face of the waters is the same thing. Our best understanding is this. And this is where it kind of gets like, okay, we don't know exactly, but this is our, our best understanding of it. It's the fact that the face of the deep or the waters is not so much like a surface. Remember, it's unformed. But the idea is that it's present. The waters and earth were existing, but they weren't formed together. It had not yet been put in motion, uh, but that's exactly what was about to happen. The physical universe had come into existence, but it was still dark. It was not moving. There was no form. There was no motion. There was no energy. There was no light. Earth had not yet been given its final shape. In a sense, what we kind of, our best guess is that what earth was at this time was kind of just this watery blob. Now, I know this sounds really weird, but that it it, it existed, right? He created time, space, and matter, but he had not yet formed it together. It's kind of like that clump of clay that that potter has yet to begin to form. Does that make sense? It's going to be, all the elements are there, You see, in verse one, God created everything out of nothing. It's that word bara. That's what we talked about last time. He created everything out of nothing. And so now that that something exists, it's just yet to be formed. Creation was in an elementary form, but not yet complete. Now, some people believe that this implies, you know, how, how could God create something that wasn't complete? But we see him do that all the time, right? We see this process in these six days that he will complete it, but it's not yet complete. Does that make sense? You guys getting it? Anyone super lost? Okay. All right. So look at that second part of verse two. It says that the the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there's kind of this just this mass existence but we're told that the spirit of God was hovering over. Now, this word hover, it, it means to be moving. It, it's, it's actually the picture, uh, the Jewish Hebrew word here is a picture how a hen, uh, a bird, would hover over its, its baby uh, birds. And, and it would, it would kind of uh, superintend over them. It would take care of them. And it kind of move back and forth in, in protection and in provision. And, and the picture we have here is that the Spirit of God was, was kind of preparing what was about to take place. You see, at this point, earth had not yet been put into motion. It was not yet spinning around its axis. It was not yet formed. And so it is about to be energized by the spirit of God and the word of God. Why? Well, look at verse three. God's about to say, let there be light. You see, it's light that is, it, that is the ultimate form of, of energy and motion, and it's going to be putting into motion the rest of creation. 
But right now, the Spirit of God is, is hovering over it. One Bible commentator puts it like this. The Spirit of God was hovering over the earth that is presiding over the earth and preparing it for the creative word to follow. So the Spirit alone is moving, animated, right? It's moving back and forth. That's the idea of hovering. But the elements of earth, the physical matter that God created is lifeless, it's passive, and it's awaiting the command. And so God creates everything. He, no more will he create out of nothing, right? Think about this. When he creates man, what does he use to create man? He creates dirt, which he already created. And so it's only in verse one that he creates everything out of nothing. For the rest of time of creation, he uses what has already been created to create and form everything else, okay? I know this is a complex, complicated subject, uh, but it's good for us to know and understand. And so I want you to note this down. Uh, no, we can go to that, that slide with the list. So starting here in verse three, we have a pattern. Okay. So we just went over verse two, starting in verse three, when God says, let there be light, there's going to be a pattern to the six days of creation. Basically the same five things for the most part, sometimes not number four, happens on each of the six days. And we're about to see this repetition. Okay, first, God's gonna say, let there be, or let this come forth. For this first day, we're gonna see him say, let there be light. First day is unique because God created everything. There was kind of that, that middle time in verse two. But we're gonna see the creative word spoken, that's from God. We're gonna see that Moses who wrote the book of Genesis records the effect that that had. God said, let there be light. And so there was an effect there. There was light. Then you're going to see God's evaluation. God will say that he saw the light or he saw the animals or he saw the heavens. And he said, it was good. And then you're going to see as well for some of the days, sovereign naming, meaning God's going to say like what we're about to look at. Well, the light is going to be called day. God says, I called it that. God says that darkness, we're going to call night because that shows us God exercising his dominion and authority over creation, right? And then fifthly, we're going to see then at the end, the numbering. At the end of this, this first day, we're going to see, then it says, and so the evening and the morning were the first day. And then you're going to see, so the evening and the morning were the second day, okay? Today, we're just looking at day one. Next week for junior high, we're going to look at uh, the, the rest of the days of creation, uh, but we, we got to get this right. You guys got that down? Anyone still working on that? Okay, I'll give you, give you a couple more minutes. So day one is, is this. Day two is essentially this as well. It's just different things, There's the, but this is the pattern, so we want to understand this. Okay, if you didn't get it, then just leave a little blank spot, and I'll, and I'll show you after, uh, after our service. Now, just something interesting, and it's, it's not super, um, I don't think, super vital or important. Let's see, I'm, I, I still think this works, but there we go. Okay, so day, huh. it's like slow to respond. I think that's what it is. There you go. Okay, I think I got it. Uh, I'm used to the junior high room. It's a, little more, it's a little more responsive. Okay, so there's kind of a parallel here, okay? 
Look at day one in your Bibles. It talks about light. That's what we're about to look at. But then in day four, which is, uh, uh, there's kind of the first three days that are patterned by the last three days, six days total. The first day talks about light. The first day of the second segment, day four, also talks about light. That's when God creates the stars and the sun and all those things, which they are different. And then in day two, he begins to talk about how he created uh, uh, the, the, the skies and the water. He began to separate them so that there was separation. Um, and then in those skies and waters that he separated in day five, there's the birds that fill it and the fish that fill it. Do you guys, do you guys see the, the pattern there? And then in day three, which is the last day of the first segment, uh, he creates land and plants. And then on day six, he creates animals and humans that fill that space. Okay. So that's just a little, little thing for you to know. So let's read again verses three through five, since we've been focused on verses, uh, hmm. this thing's really giving me a hard time. Satan does not want you to learn what we're about to learn. Okay. Verses three through five, note them down. Let there be light. This is our just second point uh, for tonight. Let there be light. It was created, but not complete. And now we see God turns the light on. Look at verse three. Then God said, let there be light. And what was there? There was light. And God saw the light and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. God simply spoke. For Adam, he, he didn't just speak. We're told that he formed. And I don't know how that looked exactly. But for, for this, he spoke light into existence, into that current darkness. Remember, that's what, was, that's what the reality was, was that there is darkness. He says, let there be light. And you see, darkness, though, is not anything in and of itself. It's simply the absence of light. And so that's why it wasn't evil. It just, there wasn't the light on. So God says, let there be light. Here we find the power of the word of God. Psalm chapter 33, verses 6 and 9 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I love that. Do you guys see that? He said, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Man, you speaking, me speaking, oftentimes we just get, get ourselves in trouble. That's what our voices do. God's voice is so powerful that it can create absolutely anything. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Now, what's intriguing about this fact is that there wasn't any sun or stars at this point. Someone tell me what day the, the sun and the stars were created. Day number four. So what is the light? What is the source? It's not the sun. It's not that God created the sun. No, he created light before he created the sun. It's interesting. So what, what was the source? Yeah. I think so. Now, this is, this is where the scripture is not clear. 
regarding what this verse says, but what about other verses that we see in the Bible that refer to God as light? So it was either some source that God temporarily created, source of light, and then he would eventually put that into the sun and the stars, or it was simply that, listen, this I kind of like to think this, that God entered his created universe and it was his Shekinah glory. This is the, the idea when you see Moses say, show me your glory, and what happens, right? God puts him in that cleft of the rock. He just sees his shadow and Moses' face was glowing. He encountered God. Or, or, or when Paul on the road to Damascus, what, what shone in his face? It was light. It was that he encountered God. And so what if in verse three, when he said, let there be light, it was God who entered into his created universe and he was a source of light. I don't know. Psalm 104, verse 1 through 2 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, who, who cover yourself with, as with a garment, light as with a garment, who stretch out the heavens like a curtain. Many believe, and I would be one of them, that 104 is speaking of Genesis chapter 1. That when God said, let there be light, it was God who clothes himself with light as with a garment. It's what he wears is who he is. He's the source was that light. Revelation 22 verse 5, we see this type of concept all over scripture. Revelation 22 5 says, there shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. This is how it's going to be on the new earth in eternity. There's not going to be a sun. There's not going to be any light source. The light source in eternity on the new earth is God himself. I wonder if there was a little bit of foreshadowing happening here. And then of course, hopefully, you know, first John 1, 5 says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is what? That God is what? God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. That is a reference darkness regarding sin and evil. Now, in verse 4, we're told that God saw the light and saw that it was good. God saw how it brought light to his creation and saw that this was something good. It was something beautiful. It was something without fault. And it's at this point that Scripture tells us that God separated the light from the darkness. So this is kind of interesting. He separated the light from the darkness. He gave them distinguished roles. It wasn't that darkness was bad at this point, right? It was there before and God could say of his creation, it was very good. But what did he do? He made these distinguishing realities and he names what the light would be. When it's light outside, he says, this is called day. And when it's night or when it's, when it's dark outside, this is called, of course, night. Now, you only get to name something that is yours, right? And that's one of the kind of cool things about, about having a, a authority over something is you get to name it, right? God gave dominion to Adam. And so what did Adam get to name? All the animals, right? So God gives Adam dominion, rule authority, he names the animals. And when you buy a dog, 
Who gets to name it? Well, it depends on who buys it, right? And so if your parents buy it, they get to choose whether they, you get to name it or not, or your sister or your brother. But one day you can buy a dog that is your own. God bless you again, Lyric. Uh, that, that you can have a dog and you get to name it. It's part of authority. And I believe that this is God exercising his authority. He created it, so who gets to name it? Of course, God does, right? Now, a day is described in the Bible as having darkness, then light, evening, then morning. Look at the end of verse five, evening and then morning. And this was the first day. Why doesn't it say morning and then evening? Think about it. There wasn't any light in the beginning of the day. God said, let there be light. It became day. And so interestingly, you know how Jews, Israelites, pattern their days. It's not like you and I. You and I go from midnight to midnight, right? We go from, from 12 o'clock to, to 12, and that's our 24-hour day. Does anyone know how Jews do it? Yeah. Yeah, they do, they do sunset to sunset. So like when the sun went down, that's the beginning of, of a day. And then the end of a day is actually when the sun uh, goes down the beginning. So it's at the, at the, it's sunset to sunset. That's how they do a day. And that's actually biblical because God says it's the evening and then the morning, which is the day that creates the 24 period day. That's something for you to know. Now, last thing, and then we're going to begin to close this thing up. I want you, if you are taking notes to note down the word day. I've said it a million times today. There we go. Get it? Day is the Hebrew word yom. Everyone say yom. yom. Come on, say it like me. Yom. yom. It's fun to say. Y-O-M. It means in every instance in the Bible, a 24-hour period of time. It does not. There are other Hebrew words that that could have been used that denote, that show an indefinite period of time. There's lots of different time words that could have been used. He uses yom. Now, this is where many people begin to twist the scripture to say something it does not say. But like I said earlier, it's with the invention of the theory of evolution that many well-meaning Bible people trying to find an illegitimate hypothesis and put it in the Bible began to come up with things that simply aren't there. Day means day. It doesn't mean a million years. You and I can trust what the Bible says. Listen, if you and I can't read Genesis 1 plainly, simply, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And I'm so glad that I don't have to read the Bible and wonder like, is this really what it means? No. If we can't read Genesis 1 simply, then we can't read the rest of the Bible when it comes to things of salvation and the gospel. And I want to drill this in so that you never forget it. There are some exceptions in the Bible of symbolic talk, right? We find this sometimes, but it always indicates it clearly. Like in John and Revelation, when he says he saw it and it was like this, it was as this, then you can know it's symbolic. The Bible will always give you that indication, all right? 
And so here on day one of creation, we have the Trinitarian nature of God. Did you see it? Look at verse one in your Bibles. We have the Father, God, Elohim, the source of all things, creates time, space, and matter. Verse one, the Father. Verse two, we have the Spirit of God, the energizer of all things, making way for the Word of God. He's preparing for verse three. We have the Spirit of God. And then, of course, verse three, we have the Word of God spoken. And who is the Word of God? It's Jesus the Son. And so right there in the first three verses of the Bible, you have the Trinity all working in unison with one another. Now, I want to close our time uh, together. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. It's not going to be long, but I want you to, to see how this connects to our current relationship with Jesus. We need to know that, but the Bible's unified, meaning we're, we're told that we can find Jesus in every page of the Bible. Where do we find him here? Well, we, we talked about, of course, him being the word of God. But how does this relate to our relationship to him? I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 3 through 6 is what we're going to read. If you don't know where that is, then you can go to your table of contents and begin to turn there. 2 Corinthians 4. When you're there, you can say word. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting verse 3. It says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God, notice verse 6, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. You note down 2 Corinthians 4, 6 is a direct connection to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. He says, It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. It is this same God who revealed himself, who said, Let there be light in your life. And so it is by the word of God that shines in our heart that we may clearly see who God is. You see, you and I are verse 2, Genesis 1-2, without God. We're without form. We're void. We're empty. We have nothing but darkness in our life. But it is Jesus who is described in the Bible as the light of the world. Who the Bible says it is him who has shined himself into our hearts that we might see God. We'll close with John chapter 1 verses one through five, which says, in the beginning was the word and the word, and who, who, who is the word? Jesus. 
is Jesus. We find him in right verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, Jesus. And without him, Jesus, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see in the very last verse, verse 5, the darkness did not comprehend it. It means that it did not overcome it. Listen, when God said, let there be light, darkness did not have this epic battle against light. You know, that's not how light works, right? Like when we turn the lights on in this room, it wasn't this epic battle where the darkness that was in this room beforehand was fighting against the light and we had to keep turning the light on because of darkness. No, light always wins. Why? Because darkness is simply the absence of light. And the only reason that you and I have any light in our life, understanding, revelation, is because God said, let there be light. And so you and I tonight have every reason to praise God because he said, let there be light. And we, you and I received that light because without him, we are dark, darkness. We are without form. We don't know who we are. And we are completely empty. But with him, we begin to see clearly. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that the whole of Scripture points to you. Lord, that here in the beginning, you began working who you are into your plan of redemption that you knew that when you said that day, let there be light, that there would be a day in the future when the light of the world, your presence would enter your creation as your creation, a, a human. And you'd live here on this earth. You'd go through temptation and pain and suffering for our sake. You became darkness on that cross that we might become the light of God. In you was life and the light of men, and you're the one that saved us. We would still be in darkness without you. And so, God, we have so many reasons to sing to you tonight. We have so many reasons to give you glory, to give you praise, because you are not only the God who created everything known, but you are the God who came into our life and saved us from what we are without you, which is darkness and empty, and we know that we're separated from you. And so, God, we are so grateful that you turned on the light, that we see clearly now, that though we were blind, now we see. God, we pray that you would continue your work in our lives, that we might see you who you are, and we might know who we are because of who you say we are. And so, God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.